Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. All right, everybody, your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, August 11th is moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show, and every Ben Jarofsky show for that matter, is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let me tell you about voting by mail. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. No one has weighed in on the live stream chat, so Ben, you get to pick the song of the day. Yeah, well, that's, that's the theme of the day. Okay, so you're going to hear a lot of this song. All right? Oh, you so lucky listeners. Leave. A lot of Ben singing today. <laughs> Woo! I, I, well, no, just going to start with the guitar. We'll get to the song later. Let's see if they get it from the guitar. Come on, D. There must be some of a way out of here. Is that what it is? Oh, my God. Am I good or am I good? <laughs> Either that or we've been working together for a long time. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, come on. 
Is that chemistry or what, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, this boy is all on the other side of town, over on Lawrence Avenue, and I'm over at Irving, and we're still communicating like we're in that little room. Back at my beloved bright one. <laughs> Man, yeah. it's unbelievable that you knew that. That's what that was? Jimi Hendrix? That was the Jimi Hendrix version. There's also a Bob Dylan version that I do. Oh, let's hear that oh, one. This. Let's hear that one. Well, oh, I'm just giving the whole opening way, but there must be some kind of way out of here, said the Joker to the thief. Yeah. <laughs> That's Bobby D, baby. Uh, you won't hear that on NPR, huh? No. no, no. <sighs> Very interesting dynamic there, Dylan and Hendrix. Oh, Very man. ironic. Oh, God. The Ben Jarofsky oh. Show starts now. It is Tuesday, August 11th, and still live from my apartment, and still live from Ben's attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the long-awaited return of our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Masova. And now your host, the long-awaited return, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this all along the Watchtower Tuesday, and here's why. Good weekend, D. Uh, you know what? Forget it. Don't even tell me, because I can't even pretend. Michael Girardi, I can't even do this for you. I can't do the good weekend bit for you, because it was a lousy weekend, all right? I know you had a good weekend. I was going to say, I, finally, I had a good weekend. I was ready to I say yes. Share the good news before I get to the apocalyptic news. Go ahead. I mean, I saw, a good, people. I saw a good movie, and I had some uh, great food. It was a great weekend. What movie did you see? You told me I forgot. Uh, Spike Lee's School Days. Oh, yeah. Excellent flick. Uh, Dennis saw a movie that came out when he was two years old. <laughs> two years old. I was five. It came out in 89? 88. I was born in 83. I should know that. Come on, Jarofsky. Uh, anyway, I know you had a great weekend because he was happy and buoyant and bouncing up and down. I called him up yesterday in the middle of all the chaos. He didn't answer why he was sleeping. That's not a great weekend. <laughs> During the storm, I was, I was like. <laughs> you know what? I did Hendrix. I could have easily done the doors. Riders on the storm. I think you've done that one before. So, you know. Oh, look at you knowing stuff like How would you know that? I bet I do every show with you and I remember every song of the day. One time I did like a Simon and Garfunkel song again, and you uh, called me on it. You go, uh, Ben, you did that. Before. Um, Ben. <laughs> all right, let me get out of business here. I'm calling this all along the Watchtower Tuesday because it was a very apocryphal weekend. And that, of course, make an allusion to the great Bob Dylan song that was covered by Jimi Hendrix. As Dennis just said, I prefer the Jimi Hendrix version, although the Dylan version is good, too. It ends with two riders approaching a fortress. Be people are waiting for like the end of civilization as they know it. That's what this weekend kind of had the feeling. There was murder, there was looting, there was gun violence. And then followed up by that freaking windstorm, a monumental fury that had me running to the basement almost. D, I got to tell you, this is a confession. Sometimes I like talking <laughs> to this microphone. I, it's like I say things like, I can't believe I confess this. But 
So it was scary. I had just finished a brilliant column. Thank you, Dennis, for saying that. Another brilliant column for the reader. I just sent it in. I was done. All of a sudden, it got really dark outside, and the wind was howling, like in the Bob Dylan song. The wind was howling, and the trees were blowing back and forth. And I'm looking out the window. It was dark. And I'm like, you know what? This is serious. And then there was a siren. Just a, you know, one of those. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, let us all know what a siren. We were like, man, what is a siren? What is that? <laughs> That's called a sound effect, D. I'm going to teach you a little something about podcasting, okay? You got to have sound effects. Every now and then you got to drop a sound effect. Let me take notes. That's sound effect. Podcasting, all right? So they're, so oh you hear the, it's dark as all hell. We love all of you for listening to this show. There's a, another Bob Dylan song. Darkness said to break down. Da, 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 da. It's all right. My, anyway, and the trees are blowing back and forth. And I'm like, you know what? This is no joke. So first I called Dennis. You know, I, it's, he's like my security blanket. No answer. Look, what the hell is he doing? Turns out later he was sleeping, I found out. Sleeping through the storm. Anyway, so Dennis is not around. My wife's not around. I got no one to turn to. I'm going to the basement. D, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I was all set to go to the basement, and I had one of those weird impulses that only I have. The basement door is open. I'm going into the basement. It's dark outside. The wind's blowing. The trees are go- wait, rocking back and forth. I suddenly have this thought. That tree could crash and take down the wire, cut off all electricity. The microwave won't work. And I'm hungry. All your concerns. <laughs> we couldn't do a show tomorrow. Uh, you know, uh, the microwave. I need a burrito. So I need, you take the rice cake, you put a little cheese on it, you put it in the microwave for about 20 seconds, D, okay? Man, you know, if you want it a little hotter, that 30, okay? And then it's so tasty. It's like a mini pizza. So I go, I know it's really blowing out there, but, you know, I'm going to really regret it if I go down to the basement and the power's out. So I go make that. And something happened in between the time I almost went to the basement and I made it. I just wasn't scared anymore. So I ate my little rice (laughs) cake and looked at the wind blowing and had great thoughts and. It kind of passed, and that I think at that point Dennis called me back. Oh yeah, man, I was really sleeping. Oh, <laughs> I admit it, I'm weird. Anyway, all right, let's uh, get into the serious news of the day that I'm probably avoiding talking about: uh, the looting that took place Monday morning. Uh, and uh, I guess there's a personal aspect to all this that uh, all things are personal, all news stories are personal. Uh, I had just finished on Sunday a draft of a column about TIFFs. I said I was going to write uh, about TIFFs. It was on my mind, tax increment financing, uh, the city's number one economic development program. Last week, Clerk Yarborough came out with a report showing that the program that's intended uh, to fund development in poor neighborhoods is largely being spent in wealthy ones. Uh, so that it's a, a reverse Robin Hood program uh, that robs from the poor and the middle class and feeds the rich. Uh, and uh, there was a second report. Dave Roeder uh, co-wrote an article in the Chicago Sun-Times. Roeder! I miss Roder. Dave Roeder. <laughs> I know. Uh, what? Come on. Hurry up. Come on. <laughs> He's always on the go, man. Four computers on his desk. What? What? No, Dave Roeder. Uh, he's one of the, <laughs> okay, now we're on a tangent about Dave Roeder. But Dave Roeder is a veteran. Uh, he's been covering planning forever. He's, he's as old as I am, which I know that's really hard to believe. Uh, so Dave Roeder is always on the phone. 
Back in the old days, we were at the bright one, and I want to say hello to him, but he's on he's on the phone. He, true, he's got two computer screens. How yeah. did end up with? He, I don't know who he had. You know, whatever. He got two computer screens. He's always on the phone. I'm always going, Rotor, get to work. I was, in, I was in the bathroom one time, and I'm like, who is that in the stall? Oh, come on, give me the scoop. Like, okay. oh, okay. Rotor, always, Dad, always on the ball. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, well, he wrote an excellent. Uh, where, I don't have it in front of me. Anyway, uh, excellent story in the Sun Times about Tiffs about how uh, Lori Lightfoot's sitting on one point eight billion dollars. We had uh, Tommy Tresser was on talking about that on our show. So here we have this economic development uh, program that's intended to help the poorest of the poor, but in fact, when it's being spent, it's helping the richest of the rich, and mostly and a lot of it is being hoarded uh, so that the mayor has you know a bucket of money to dip into when she needs to dip into a bucket of money. Hence, slash fun. So. Well, all these things were on my mind. I was right, ready to write a uh, a tip story about how unfair uh, Chicago was dividing up the economic pie and how uh, what we were. I called it in inequity city. Uh, it was sort of just a distillation of everything I feel about Chicago uh, and how we deal out the money. Take care of the wealthiest people first, and think of the poorest people last. And then I woke uh, to learn that uh, bands of looters. And gone on that early morning rampage uh, through the Gold Coast, the Mag Mile, breaking windows, uh, walking off or running off with all kinds of goods, uh, throwing rocks at cops, shooting at cops, et cetera, and so forth. And, you know, it was like Chicago had become Gotham City D. And suddenly I realized that many, many, many people out there were not feeling, how do I put this, charitable at the moment? You know what I'm saying, D? So I've, I suddenly felt like it was so, like, tone deaf to write a column filled with wisecracks about how unfair and uh, inequitable Chicago was, how unfairly it was distributing its economic development money uh, to benefit the wealthiest and uh, give the greatest disadvantage to the poor. Essentially, in my humble opinion, they, they really just want poor people to move out of Chicago. I think that's been pretty clear for a long time, but it just seems so tone deaf because uh, I knew, I know what happens. Oh, let me just say this. I know what happens to white people um, at moments like yesterday. They get reactionary. It's like that inner Trump voter inside of them. And they all like, Ben, I don't want to hear your knee jerk liberal stuff. I don't want to hear that do gooder stuff. I don't want to hear your little crying over the tiffs. Nobody cares about that. I think the correct click- question is uh, who cares, you hippie? Right? Yes. Well, no, it's angrier than that. It's like somehow or other I am responsible because I'm raising these issues. I mean, generally, it's who cares you hippie about something like a scam like a tiff. It's like, hey, life's good for me. What do you what do you care, Ben? Remember the precinct captain who came to me for Ron? I had this argument with him and it'd be and it would be threatening to call the police on him. Rom sent a precinct captain to my house. I think it was harassment. D. I actually do believe they were trying to harass me. And the precinct captain, I was explaining to the precinct captain how he was telling me how great it is in Chicago. And I was telling him, you know, there's parts of the city that are really suffering. And Mayor Rom doesn't care about them. To which he said, what do you care? You live in a nice neighborhood. So that's kind. That's a different reaction than the one of hostility and anger. Like, the Dirty Harry, oh, that's, that's an ancient movie that nobody knows. Just sort of like... Oh, come on, Dirty it, Harry? We all know Dirty Harry. The movie came out in 1971. But it's, you a, see it's, Dirty? it's a famous movie. Yeah, I've seen it. You've actually seen Dirty Feel Harry? Feel lucky, punk. <laughs> I guess you have seen Dirty Harry. Well, are you? You know, there's six bullets in this gun, but in all the activity, I've lost count. Did I fire five? Or did I fire... Anyway, 
So, you know, I knew everybody was kind of in that Clint Eastwood sort of fascistic, dirty, hairy mode. And they didn't want to hear my knee-jerk liberalism. They didn't want to hear about how inequitable Chicago was. So I had to rewrite the column and take everything into consideration. Uh, and that column comes out tomorrow. They're probably editing as we speak. This is the sound of the reader editing one of my columns. Oh, my goodness. That was good. Thank you. You were bringing it on the sound effects lady. You're like that guy from Police Academy. What, which guy is that? I saw Police Academy, but I can't remember that The movie. guy who does the sound effects. Oh, okay. Well, you know, Dave, let me just say something. I've been in radio now for three years. See? I've learned a few things, lots of tricks of the trade. D, you need sound effects, okay? Very important. <laughs> like when you're doing editing, this is how the editors go. All right. I used to have a joke about the reader in the old days when the reader was at uh, an office and down below was a Thai restaurant. And I never knew who was going to edit my copy from one day to the next. And I used to joke to the reader editor, it was a different editor. Go, Why don't you just open up the window and yell down to the waiter at the Thai restaurant? Hey, you want to take a crack at this tip story? Anyway, so um, I uh, read, there's been, a, the, the papers are filled, obviously, uh, with articles about uh, the looting. And uh, hold on, where's my bright one, D? Hold on, hold that's, on. That's a typical Tuesday. Ah, <laughs> oh, here it is. Michael Winslow was the guy's name on Police Academy, by the way. How'd you know that? Shout out to Frank on the live stream chat. What up, God. Frank? Man, I'll tell you what. Frank is no joke. We could not do this show without Frank. I love you, Frank. Anyway, um, Mary Mitchell, very passionate column. I urge everybody to read it. Mary Mitchell, uh, page two column for the Sun-Times. Looters are looters no matter what the circumstances. Uh, and this is what she wrote. Uh, they did it because they saw an opportunity to steal stuff they couldn't afford to buy and because they have no respect for the rule of law. Uh, she was uh, speaking from her heart. While a large number of young black people are operating under the banner of Black Lives Matter and making good trouble, as John Lewis famously said, another group of young black people have chosen an immoral path leads to more pain and more destruction. Uh, that is uh, the anguish words of Mary Mitchell. Looters are looters no matter what the circumstances. Let me just point out Mary Mitchell's a black woman. Uh, she's a legend in Chicago journalism. She's been writing a column uh, probably as long as I am. So I guess uh, we're in the same ballpark in terms of age. I have tremendous respect for her and I appreciate the words she wrote and she's writing them as a, a black woman. And I've learned, you know, it's easy for white people to say the kind of things Mary Mitchell is saying. But what about white people ever talk about to the white community? You know, it's why don't you take a look at the mirror of what the white community is doing? The larger white community, the civic community, the, the powers that be in Chicago, that they allow these inequities to grow and grow. So I appreciate Mary Mitchell speaking from her heart, but I'm not Mary Mitchell. I'm not going to echo something that she says. So I'm going to talk to the white community. I think it's about time you take a look at the programs that you've implemented, that you've run, that you continue all these years, year after year, starving the poor neighborhoods of investment, concentrating it in the wealthiest neighborhoods. And then when there's like an explosion that happened Monday, you're outraged. Like you had no role in it. The policies that mayors going back to Harold Washington implemented had no role in it. And I'm just saying, you know, everybody should look in the mirror at this moment. Mary Mitchell is saying the black community should look in the mirror. Well, I'm saying the white community should look in the mirror as well. 
And stop just pointing the finger at the other side. They're the ones who did it. Because you know what? That's the first step down the road to Trumpism. It's them. They did it. They're the ones. So anyway, that's that was sort of my uh, reaction. I believe that it's a moment where we're all accountable. Lori talked about this, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, there should be consequences um, for the people who did the looting. They should be held accountable. I agree. I agree. They should be held accountable. But I think also the powers that be in this city should also be held accountable for the consequences of years and years of planning that have led, left some neighborhoods starving for investment and other neighborhoods overflowing. We got a great show today, everybody. Maya Dugmasova will be here. She's got a lot of thoughts, D. This could be a You're great kidding. Maya moment. No, yeah. But you know when Maya goes in one of those riffs? <laughs> yeah. You know, she's a little like Hendrix, by the way. And a little like Monroe Anderson, cursing like a sailor. <laughs> she, uh, number one cursor on the show, I think we'll all agree, is El Dragon. Oh, my God. Right. He, uh, his goal is to just curse. <laughs> Uh, and then I had, for the first two, time, I had to edit out something when Adolfo uh, Drag- uh, Mondragon okay, so came. Now out. you're calling attention to the thing yet. D, that's not good podcast. Oh my god, sorry, so sorry. Come on, D. I am an experienced podcaster. Okay, <laughs> don't call attention. All right. Uh, I would have to say uh, Adolfo's number one cursor, and number two, Maya. I think Maya's number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Maya's number two. And number three is Mr. Monroe. Bike. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, Mr. Bike. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bike is a total pro. He 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 we're he graces us with his presence. Yeah, uh, he is straight out of NPR, unlike the rest of us bumps. <laughs> Dennis, play. Ray Lopez. Anyway, uh, Maya's all fired up. She's coming to a local coverage of uh, what went down. Fascinating stuff. She's ready to go on that riff, that Hendrix-like riff. Who knows where the guitar? Wow. You know that song, Red House? You know Red House, D? You ever heard of Hendrix's Red House? There's a red house over yonder. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, if you were born after the year, uh, I don't know, 1985, we got a great show for you today, guys. <laughs> no, Hendrix died in 1971. 1971, I want to say. Frank, I think it was 1971. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> I did listen to mu- new music for eight more years this weekend. I listened to a lot of a lot of Stanley Turrentine, D. A lot of, yeah, 1970s Stanley Turrentine. Love that man dearly. Anyway. Maya will be here. Uh, we got plenty to talk about with Maya. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Name's Dennis. <laughs> Working with you for about three years, dude. Not a doctor, for the love of God. That's not good podcasting, all right? By the way, I just have to tell you this one thing. I know this is a tangent with a tangent you're really ready to do, but there's a book called Song of Solomon, which I just read by Toni Morrison, and there's a street uh, called No Doctor Street. I love that. In the book, they people live on No Doctor Street. I'm like, Toni Morrison was in the Dr. D's uh, before Dr. D was even born. <laughs> even born! <laughs> Anyway, sorry, dude. How's it going? How's it going, everybody? Uh, Hope everyone's okay, by the way. Man, that storm was wicked. I took a bike ride today, and I was near Evanston. There were, like, five gigantic trees down. You know, like, it's it's insane. Did you see anything? Any crazy damage, Ben? Yes. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) uh, Just a block away last night, I was taking my 
nightly constitutional. And I walked, uh, there was a tree that literally fell in half and fell on a house. It fell on a house. Uh, for all I know, the house was badly damaged. I took a picture of it and showed it to my wife. That's how impressive that was, or depressive. Yeah, it was uh, very wicked. Hope everybody's okay. Like I said, uh, I'm from southern Illinois. I've dealt with you know crazy windstorms and tornadoes a lot. So I'm just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> I went to sleep. Woke up like, huh. Are. Frank uh, texted me. Thank you, Frank. Uh, 1970, Jimi Hendrix died. 1970. Thank you, Frank. Go ahead, Dee. All right. Uh, now, the following question on the Ben Jarofsky show is a blatant attempt at sarcasm. <laughs> hey, did any news happen while we were away? Oh. Holy crap, did a lot go down in the city over the weekend. So let's use the time we have to unpack it all. Yes, Governor Pritzker, you're off the hook today, pal. The enemy <laughs> is you. Me? Uh. <laughs> a little smack talk, I see. All right. Well. <laughs> All right. First off, we have to begin with a story that, quite frankly, has the Ben Jarofsky show written all over it. It's already long gone from the news cycle, but I'll be damned if we don't talk about it here today. All right. Now, as you know, since March 26th, due to the coronavirus <laughs> pandemic, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot closed the Chicago beaches due to the coronavirus pandemic. And since, and since March 26th, we've all been expected to be good little citizens, obey the mayor's rules, and not dare go to that beach or else. <laughs> we will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Well, on Saturday, after the mayor caught word of a group of beachgoers hanging at Montrose Beach, the beach stopper herself, Lori Lakefront, went with police to Montrose Beach to break up the party. Ben, did you see this? Did you see pictures? Did you see the picture of Lightfoot breaking it up? I, I didn't see the, the picture of, you know, you know what? We should have done more pre-show planning. God dang. You know? NPR would have done that pre-show planning. I did not know there were pictures of Lori. I just saw the picture in the bright one. But the little bright one home delivered every day of a group of people uh, on the rocks. So I didn't see Lori Lightfoot. I didn't know. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a picture of her with her mask on, you know, sitting there pointing her finger, looking like Bernie Sanders. Hi, right, everybody. <laughs> I love Bernie. So do you ever say anything bad about Bernie? Since I didn't say anything bad. I said she looked like Lori Lightfoot a little bit. So what? So you're implying something, Ben. <laughs> love Bernie Sanders. <laughs> After the mayor caught word of a group of beachgoers hanging at Montrose Beach, Mayor Lightfoot went with the police to Montrose Beach to break up the party. Yeah, uh, police people, I'm not too afraid of them, but I see that mayor. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> mayor Lightfoot even tweeted a picture of the gathering. Uh, no one was wearing masks or shirts, for that matter, and no one was social distancing. Uh, I'm surprised the mayor was calm enough to even take the picture, but along with it, she put the following statement. It's called a pandemic, people. This reckless behavior on Montrose Beach is what will cause us to shut down the parks and lakefront. Don't make us take steps backwards. <laughs> All right. Shortly after her arrival, uh, officials quickly installed new fencing and limited vehicle access to the area to prevent others from gathering on the closed off lakefront. 
On Sunday, Chicago Park District spokeswoman Michelle Lemons said the fence along the lakeshore was specifically put in place Saturday night, quote, to deter large gatherings like those observed on Saturday. Now, since the fencing had been posted, we've already seen reports of people still getting around it and going on the beach anyway, because, well, we learned years ago, walls don't work, guys. We did say this a while back, uh, maybe uh, right when the pandemic went down and Lori Lightfoot uh, announced her plans here. Guys, if this plan requires every single person in the city of Chicago to not be an idiot, we're doomed. But Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts, and I know you live near Montrose Harbor, Hey, you weren't one of those shirtless people hanging out in the picture, were you? No. Although, let me say this. Um, I want to take this moment to uh, correct Lori Lightfoot. I look now at Twitter. While you were talking, D, yeah, I'm like a mini millennial. I went on Twitter to see what Lori Lightfoot Wait, while we were doing the show? Yes, I just did Oh, dude, you're really (laughs) stepping up that millennial game. Yeah, okay. And I have to say, that's the same photo that ran in my beloved bright one. And it shows a group of youngsters. I would think they look young to me. They're in their 20s and they're shirtless and they're congregating. Well, and we all know of- everyone's young to you, Ben. I mean, <laughs> it's true. you're old. Uh, and I can't tell if they're wearing masks because a lot of them are standing with their back. But let's say they're not. First of all, that's not Montrose Beach. Now, you could be D, you're. It's not your fault. Lori Lightfoot wrote it. It's called a pandemic, people. I'm reading her tweet. This reckless behavior on Montrose Beach is what will cause us to shut down the parks and lakefronts. Don't make us take steps backwards, as you just read. But that's not Montrose Beach. I know where that is. That's along those rocks. They're not even rocks anymore. Mayor Daley took out the rocks. I miss the days of the rocks. Anyway, they put that new uh, lakefront wall and uh, with the ramps, which... I like the old days of the rocks. Anyway, that and it's just south of Montrose Beach. Now, people who are listening in Wyoming are going, I'm so confused. What difference does it make? Well, Wyoming, Kentucky, Arizona. I will now explain what difference it makes. D, get your pen and paper out. Take notes. Okay. Part of the problem is that the beaches are off limits. The reason why people are congregating over by the rocks which don't even exist anymore. But but in my mind, where the rocks used to be, ah, the glory days of the rocks. Part of the reason they're congregating there is because they can't go to the beach. They can't go to the beach because Chicago has this bizarre prohibition against being at the beach. It's okay to be in the lakefront, but you can't be on the beach. So anyway, technically, it's not Montrose Beach. It's, I don't know what it is. It's that stretch of land that is just south of Montrose Beach, heading toward Irving Park. Now, people in Wyoming listening are going, oh, my God, I now see Chicago in a way I never. It's actually a really nice place to go. People from Wyoming, if you're ever in Chicago, you go to the spot. If you look uh, to the south, you'll see the skyscrapers of the city. And then if you look to the north, you'll see, you can see like the Evanston landfill. It's like, whoa. And you'll be really tempted to pull out a doobie and go, this is really cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that's where the congregating was. So, CD, 
I'm not saying they would have all been congregating there if the beaches were open, but I am kind of saying. I'm kind of like Lori Life. We'll get into this in Kim Fox. I'm not saying that Kim Fox is responsible for the looting on Sunday, but I am implying that she's responsible for the looting. Oh, that was my Mike Flannery. Implying that it was responsible for the looting. So I'm just throwing that out there, D, that we have, yes, we have a very strange in Chicago, like, fixation on certain things that people aren't supposed to do. One of which is (laughs) congregating on the lakefront. No, no, no. I see so much violations of uh, protocol D every freaking day, but that lakefront one that triggers the powers that be in the city of Chicago. And then it's like everybody above the age of 40 on the North side. They, I, I know how people above the age of 40 talk. Because I am above the age of 40 and I live on the north side. Don't let that get around. People in Wyoming, the north side is like where all the white people live in Chicago. Anyway, so I know how they talk. And when they get together, they're like, oh, my God, Lori. They call her Lori. Lori is just so right. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. These hors d'oeuvres are delicious. Can I have some more of that? (laughs) That's what they say. (laughs) We're there together. Okay. So... Lori going down to break up the congregation of people in the lake. They, her ratings, D, through the roof because they love on the north side when Lori cracks down on beachgoers. Well, I heard she had to like stop people from asking for autographs when she went up to the. <laughs> She's here to do business, not sign autographs. She goes, I'm going to ticket you. Would you please autograph my ticket? Oh, please oh, ticket right. me and autograph it. <laughs> I love you. I'm a Northsider. I love Lori Lightfoot. Now, what are your thoughts on uh, that wall, huh? That fencing is that you know that'll prevent some people, right? Yeah, I you know maybe like twelve year old. They're just tearing the fence down or walk over the fence where there's a will, there's a way. It's hot. We talked about this last week. Okay, folks, for from Cheyenne, we have a lot of listeners in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So follow me on this one. Um, the city of Chicago has these beaches, and they have harbors. They've made the beaches off limits, so all the young people uh, in their twenties who want to get uh, refreshed by jumping in the lake, they go to the harbors where they jump in. And there's boats roving all around them. They're dodging the engines. They're sucking in the fumes and the gassy gasoline stained water. That's because the beaches are closed. And yet in Evanston, the beaches are open. One of the great paradoxes, the town just north has the beaches open. Why, D? Why? Why? You would think that, you know, we're always saying in the pandemic, criticizing Trump, and I'm the first to criticize Trump, that there's no consistency to our policies. Well, how come the city of Chicago has a different beach policy than the town of Evanston, which borders it? Hundy, please explain that. They each share the lake. They're right next to each other. Different policies. Explain that to me, Dennis. Go ahead. That's your job as producer. Explain that. Um... Hmm. <laughs> uh, ben, I'm the one who asks you the questions. I am yeah. totally Whose name's on that. that banner, all right? Not mine. There's no banner. Oh. It's back at the office, and for all I know, they use it as a blanket, okay? <laughs> so I don't know. What, there's no, I'm looking around. There's no banner in this 
There's a picture of a little league team from 1997 that I coached. Good team, by the way, and a great picture of you. I I, I know what picture you're talking about. Uh, well, thank you, Dennis. That was really nice of you to say. Yeah, yeah. He looked young. It was awesome. All right. Um, <laughs> Somehow, rather the nice thing got twisted around. Not like the old man you are now. <laughs> Oh, shout out to Jay Marie on the live stream chat. What's going on, Jay Marie? Also, uh, Joy, welcome to the live stream chat. Glad to have you. Everybody, be nice to Joy on the live stream chat. We want her coming back. All right. Uh, Jay Marie uh, is giving us a little report here. She says the West and South sides like her ass a bit too much, too. Mm. Jay Marie, that may be so, but nothing like the North Side. I got to tell you, they love Lori Lightfoot on the North Side. She's popular everywhere. I mean, she got 75% of the vote citywide. Let's let's be honest. I think pretty much every ward she got around 70%. Don't quote me on that, ladies and gentlemen. We around, never do. Okay? I saw a lady with a Lori Lightfoot lunchbox on the North Side. Like, what? <laughs> and thermos. They just love her. They love her on the north side. Just so cool. Love Lori Lightfoot. All right. So that was on Saturday. Uh, She got tough on those north siders. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now on to Sunday. And uh, while the police were busy keeping people off the beaches, actual police work had to be tended to. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times staff. Two people. By the way, a lot of construction going on outside of uh, my apartment, guys. So, uh Bear with me. All right. Uh, two people Two people shot. More than 100 people were arrested, and 13 police officers were injured as crowds broke windows and looted stores along Michigan Avenue and on the near north side overnight and uh, in the morning, Monday morning. Uh, it started in Inglewood uh, yesterday afternoon. About 2.30 p.m., officers responded to a report of a man with a gun. He fled as they arrived. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown, by the way, uh, we got the counter on David Brown's job here. I say he's got about, uh, uh, I say about 30 more days. Uh, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown said police officers returned fire, striking the man who is expected to survive. Brown said the 20 year old had previously faced charges of domestic battery, reckless conduct, and child endangerment. After the shooting, a crowd gathered in the area as the unrest in Inglewood grew, police became aware of, quote, several social media posts about looting planned downtown. This is according to Brown. And as a result, the department deployed 400 officers to the area. Uh, Brown said the first looting incident was at 87th Street and the Dan Ryan Expressway, but, quote, soon car caravans were headed into the loop to begin looting. Videos posted to social media showed large crowds breaking windows and entering stores along the Magnificent Mile. Around 4 a.m., uh, Sunday slash Monday, Chicago police officers exchanged gunfire with someone near Michigan Avenue and Lake Street. No one was shot, but the Civilian Office of Police Accountability will investigate the shooting. Two other shootings took place amid the looting earlier in the morning, one in the loop and the other in River North, leaving one man critically wounded in each. Both were taken to Northwestern Memorial Hospital. Further south in the loop, several shops along Lake Randolph and State Streets were also looted, as were a jewelry store and McDonald's near the Daily Center. Looting spread into the near north side where several businesses were hit. Mayor Lori Lightfoot called it, quote, brazen criminal looting 
and destruction. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown said that police would aggressively pursue cases against people involved in the looting. A team of uh, detectives has been assigned to scour security footage of all incidents. Brown said police will not stand by and watch downtown Chicago become, quote, some place people fear. He promised a, quote, heavy police presence to restore order and said access to downtown will be uh, restricted from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. effective on Monday night. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts on all this and everything that went down while we were away? Well, many, many thoughts. And uh, I'm going to hold back on the uh, my thoughts on uh, Lori and Kim Fox. And I think you have an update on that. Yes, afterwards. sir. That's yes, sir. Pre- pre-show planning. That's how we do it. Um, I've said this uh, in light of the Memorial Day unrest. Uh, I welcome and I hope we get and I don't think we're going to get, but I hope we get uh, a uh, investigation into what went down, uh, into what police strategies were being imposed, what were the uh, rules that the police were following, what were the tactics and, uh, that they were employing. Was there an overall plan? Uh, I, Troy LaRavier, who comes on the show regularly, I haven't had him on in a while, I should bring him back, probably when we come back from vacation, we'll bring him back, pointed it out. You know, when he was on the show, he goes, what was the overall plan dealing with what you knew would be a very dangerous uh, situation in the in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder? Uh, so I'm still welcoming that. Everything from why police were so determined to arrest protesters who were trying to get to Donald Trump, uh, Trump's building, uh, to why the uh, loop was uh, protected at the expense of the neighborhoods. I'm saying that's the accusation from Raylo. Was there a direct correlation between protecting the loop and the neighborhoods? And uh, so these are just some of the questions that are still unanswered from the, the weekend in May. Now we have a whole new set of questions and a good editorial on today's bright one, the Sun-Times. Got to give them credit. Don't always agree with the bright ones editorials, but in this particular case, I think they laid it out pretty well. Uh, and just t- let's do an investigation like uh, uh, of what went down. First of all, there's two things. One, what happened with the police shooting? You know, <laughs> trying not to be cynical and jaded, but often the official version does not correspond to what then you have to get was oh boy hey ben you there and hey, uh, who was behind it sorry who your mic your microphone was going out a little bit there sorry go ahead and uh, repeat. is it better now yeah yeah it's better now is it better now? Is it working now? Step away from the microphone. Social distance from that microphone a little bit, huh? Is this better? Yeah, it sounds a little better. My name is Dennis. All right. So anyway, so we have to, there's a lot of investigating. I'm still thinking again, going back to Memorial Day weekend, Popcorn Gate, the police in Bobby Russ's office. You know, there've been two uh, conflicting explanations for what went down. I'd like to know what was there a, were police following orders from the top? Was there, a, was there a directive saying, go to that office, as the police say? Or was it like Bobby Rush said, they just took over his office? I mean, these are high-profile moments in Chicago. People get fired up. There's 
uh, shocking headlines. Uh, there's sensational coverage in the media. Afterwards, columnists fill the pages with all kinds of thoughts. Everybody weighs in. I weigh in on the left. Johnny Cass weighs in on the right. You know, and Mark Brown in the middle, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, but then, like, we just move on to the next crisis. So, D, I would really like to see the city unpack this. But the skeptic in me says we're never going to do it because Chicago does not like to look back. Chicago, I'll tell you what, folks, there's a great article on a tangent within a tangent in, in the Chicago Reader that Christopher Chandler wrote. 2002, it came out about uh, the rioting that occurred after Martin Luther King was killed in 1968, getting at Mayor Daly, the old Mayor Daly's shoot to kill order. That's a situation that has never been thoroughly investigated. I think Chicago is sometimes determined not to learn from its mistakes because that would mean you would have to change your policies. And basically, D, the policies that Chicago implements work pretty well for most of the people in the city, definitely most of the people on the north side, which may be why they love mayors so much. Because they didn't just wake up loving Mayor Lori Lightfoot, D. They also love Mayor Rahm Emanuel, loved him. 75% vote. We love Mayor Rahm. Even after uh, Laquan McDonald, well, you know, Ben, they were extenuating circumstances to that. And he was cleaning up a lot of things left over for Mayor Daly. And then when you look at it, they love Mayor Daly. Okay, I always argue with Northsiders and Chicagoans in general. If Mayor Rahm cleaned up all the bad stuff that Mayor Daly left behind, why did you keep voting for Mayor Daly all those years? Well, Ben, you ask tough questions, and I really don't know. Take a chill pill, man. Oh, yeah, thanks, Rob. So, in general, Chicago is determined never to learn from the past, so I don't have any expectations uh, that these questions will be uh, answered uh, or asked, even. So, uh, that's my general thoughts of went went down this weekend. All right. Uh, Anything else you'd like to add before we move on to, uh, I guess, what we can call finger point gate? Mm. I believe I have a clip. Uh, how about that? I'm a, my inner Mr. Bike. I have a clip uh, for Finger Point Gate. All right. Well, let's talk about it here. Uh, so that was Monday morning. Uh, all that went on. Uh, later on in the day, uh, later on in the day, the finger pointing began. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was at odds with top prosecutor Kim Fox on Monday after she uh, she suggested that the surge of lootings on a lack of serious charges earlier in the summer uh, that may have encouraged more of the same. All eyes were on Chicago Sunday evening as scores of residents were seen breaking into stores and vandalizing property in a show of widespread looting. By the way, this comes from Fox 32. I didn't write this, all right? Uh, <laughs> talk to them, sounds, not me. It sounds, it sounds a little Fox 32. Yeah, yeah, I should have put that in my uh, script there. Fox 32. Talk to Flannery, not me, all right? All eyes were on Chicago's <laughs> go. Let's hear it. looting like I've never seen. <laughs> A wave of people came running down the street. I was stunned. God damn, that Flannery is just excellent. I can't believe how good that Mike Flannery is. That may be Thank your third best impression. What's number one? Uh, Bill Clinton. 
Oh, I got. I have a Bill Clinton update. Uh, thank you for reminding oh, me. Oh, nice, nice. All right, so uh, let me read this again. And just remember, I didn't write this. Fox 32 did. Uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was at odds with top prosecutor Kim Fox on Monday after she suggested the surge of lootings on a lack of serious charges earlier this summer that may have encouraged more of the same. All eyes were on Chicago Sunday evening as scores of residents were seen breaking into stores and vandalizing property in a show of widespread looting along Magnificent Mile. A clash between the Chicago Police Department and civilians upset over false claims of an officer-involved shooting of a minor resulted in an embattled night of unrest. More than 100 people were arrested, 13 police officers injured. Uh, in a press conference, Mayor Lightfoot vehemently condemned the looting and tearsly asked the Cook County State's Attorney to effectively step up to the plate. I have two clips here, and then Ben will play yours. First, let's hear uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, talking about the Cook County State's attorney and um, her job or lack thereof. Police officers put themselves at great risk last night. Literally, they were being fired upon as they were working to stop the looters. That can't be a circumstance that goes unchecked. And so we are in conversation, both the state's attorney will be, um, I have not yet had the opportunity to reach out uh, to Chief Judge Evans and presiding Judge uh, Leroy Martin, but we will. Our folks are, um, our staffs are in conversation. We've got to make sure that if the evidence um, supports it, these individuals are fully held accountable. Okay, um, so she, I really think we should play them all before I uh, take all right. a deep dive. Here we go, here we go, here's just Kim. Pour, I'll just pour, okay, go ahead. Here's just, Kim Fox on Lori. The notion that people believe that they are somehow empowered because people weren't prosecuted for looting back in the wake of uh, the unrest beginning is simply not true. Those cases are coming to court now. Yeah. I just have to say this. There's so much gamesmanship going on here, but just in the Lori uh, Lightfoot's uh, snippet, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, snippet. So she uh, lets us all know perhaps the most serious thing that went down uh, on uh, Sunday, there was gunfire and people were shooting at the police. And that's a very serious offense. And she's sort of applying that an offense like that would go without charge. And I've been around Chicago a long time, D. I can't recall that ever happening, where they had somebody with strong evidence took a shot at a police officer and the state's attorney dropped the case. So there's kind of an implication in what Lori Lightfoot is saying is that the state's attorney is uh, not strong enough on these cases and we better make sure that she prosecutes those cases and so that's like a subtle not so subtle but way of just shifting the light away away from her to kim fox without saying it and then i gotta give kim fox credit she comes right back and go if you got it bring it if you got evidence show me the evidence and this is something else i've been talking to a lot of people about this Do you think those looters said to themselves before they went on that rampage, well, our uh, statistics show that uh, Kim Fox will probably drop the charges. So (laughs) even if we're arrested, uh, the charge will only spend a few uh, hours in jail, maybe a night. She'll drop the charges and bingo. Let's go, baby. I don't think that discussion went on. I I, I think this is a straw man that's been set up to, to knock down because of 
the overall attitudes uh, and policies Kim Fox has toward criminal justice, which we'll get into in a little while. Now, what do you think uh, Mike Flannery would have to say about all this before we play this last clip? It was like a wave coming down Michigan Avenue for as far as the eye could see. A wave of people overpouring the police. I have never seen anything. By the way, download our interview, our, our Benny J bonus interview with Mike Flannery. Probably going to be the last one we have. Oh, Bam, <laughs> these imitations <laughs> go download that at both, both both chicago sun times and chicago reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast all right uh now now leave it to these dang reporters to i don't know do their job and ask further uh, follow-up questions uh to mayor lightfoot about all this uh let's see here we have the audio uh boy i bet she wish she was on that beach breaking up that party in three <laughs> two Want. It, it almost sounds as though you're saying this is the reason we have it is because the courts and the prosecutors were not doing their job, that they were going too easy on the looters from the last time around. Am, is, am don't, I don't take it from me. Just go by what's been done. I'm just asking I don't, I don't want to for you, but just go by what's been done. There was there were no consequences for and, and, the people arrested. Greg, let's be clear. And, and, and don't bait us, okay? No, I just do not bait us. Don't do not bait us. This is a serious situation. People are concerned about their safety. Officers are concerned about their safety. So don't bait us. What we're saying is, as a result of what happened last night, there have to be consequences. We've got teams of people that are aggressively out there identifying the people responsible, looking at the, the plates, and we're going to bring them to justice. But when we do, and we do make those arrests, our expectation is that this is going to be treated with a level of seriousness that it should be, period. Don't try to bait us, mischaracterize, pit one against the other. We're not playing that. We are in a serious situation here, and we need a serious response. That's what we're saying, period. I'm not trying to bait you, Mayor. I'm just asking you a question that, that seems Ask to address. Answer. You have another question? Yes, I do. You, you talked a little bit about it, but several questions have come in. You know, how do you convince people uh, and businesses? That All right, we're done with that. Yeah, we're done with that. Uh, that was the, uh, just so people know, uh, the other male voice was a police chief, uh, David Brown. All right, don't bait us. <laughs> Come on. That was a reporter asking an excellent follow-up question. I want to give a shout out. I believe it was Craig Wall from ABC. Now, the bright one did not identify him. Come on, bright one. I gave you credit for the editorial. Give credit to a reporter when he does a good job. Uh, I think it was Craig Wall. And if it's not, wasn't Craig Wall, uh, whoever it was, it was a great follow-up question because she was strongly suggesting and implying that somehow or other Kim Fox dropped the ball after the Memorial Day protest, that she did not vigorously prosecute the cases. And Kim Fox felt compelled to defend herself. So like Mayor Lori Lightfoot wants it two ways. She wants to make it a pitch as the mayor, the law and order mayor, who's very concerned about lawlessness and looting. And I understand that. We all should be concerned about lawlessness and looting. So I absolutely understand how she wants to send a message. 
to the citizens of Chicago, to the residents of the Mag Mile, to the business community, to the real estate investors, to all the um, civic club and members who are shocked that the heart of the city's wealthiest community could be violated that way. She wants to send a message that she's very serious about protecting it so it never happens again. At the same time, she still has those vestiges of a reformer who ran for office largely, originally when she ran for office, it was by virtue of the work she had done on the police board on the issue of police accountability. And so there's a very serious issue in the criminal justice system that's existed for ever in this city. And that is how black people are routinely rounded up and thrown into jail, often for doing people do every day, like smoking reefer. And they get unfairly tagged with a criminal charge that haunts them for many, many years. And Kim Fox ran in part to end that practice. Lori Lightfoot ran in part to end that practice. And now Lori Lightfoot wants to distinguish herself from Kim Fox because Kim Fox has become like a punching bag for everybody who thinks that somehow or other, fairly and judiciously, doling out justice is being soft on crime and that Kim Fox is responsible for what went down Tuesday. That is a refrain that you are going to be hearing from many columnists, from many politicians, from Donald Trump. They're going to bring in the name George Soros to talk about the money that Soros contributed to Kim Fox. They're going to link Kim Fox to a bunch of uh, state's attorneys throughout the country who are all about reforming the system. They're going to say their George Soros prosecutors are weak in crime. And as a result, they're rampaging through your city all in a way to get you to vote against criminal justice reformers and all in a way to get you to vote for Donald Trump. That's the game that's being played. And Lori Lightfoot is skirting that one. She's trying to distinguish herself from Kim Fox. At the same time, she doesn't want to uh, get into a public fight with Kim Fox because they share some of the same donors uh, and uh, they share a background, if you will. They both launched their careers in part talking about reforming the police. So, Dee, that was a game that Lori Lightfoot was playing. And when she chastised that reporter, that was unfair because he was getting right at the heart of what was going on. And then she was like trying to pretend that like he was inventing something when in fact he was legitimately responding to what she had put out by suggesting. So good job to that reporter. It reminded me of, uh, remember the haircut gate? Oh yes. Haircut gate. A while ago. Oh, yeah. So many things have happened since haircut gate. Yeah. But yeah please refresh. Gate. Please refresh everybody. Haircut gate for those who may not be aware. I can't believe I still remember haircut gate. It was early on in the pandemic. I was in the attic. I was looking out and there was a guy coming in and out of the porta potty. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm still in the attic and there's still a guy coming in out of the porta potty. But uh, Haircut Gate was, of course, Mayor Lori Lightfoot came out with this funny uh, public service announcement where she uh, was saying the whole bit was don't go to the haircut. You don't have to worry about how you look. It's not that important. What really matters is safety. And then. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like the mixed messages have been going on. There is a, uh, a photo posted on social media of some by a woman who had come in and cut Lori Lightfoot's hair. So it was a classic, as Dr. D would say, rules for thee, not for me moment. And when they asked her, when reporters dutifully 
asked her about, you know, why she would get a haircut after telling everybody not to go to the barber, she ripped into the reporter. <laughs> How dare you burden me with such trivialities while I'm dealing with this pandemic. All right. I got to look good because I'm the mayor of the city. All right. And the reporter's like, who the hell is that? And meanwhile, <laughs> to the point, Northsiders, yeah. Oh, my God. What a triviality. The haircut on, looks great. <laughs> she needs a haircut. Leave her alone. They love her on the north side, ladies and gentlemen. I got ripped. Remember that, D? That's when I got nervous. Better not see anything bad about Lori Lay from my neighbors looking mad at <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I'd, I'd, come, I'd come over and you'd be stuffed in the porta potty. Oh, my God. I, I was so worried that was going to happen. So this was just like Haircut Gate. Every time you ask her a tough question, she just, stop asking that question. Don't bait me. Wait, you're the one. I wouldn't ask the question. It was a follow-up to what you said. Did you say it or you didn't say it? So I gave that guy, Craig Walk, a lot of credit. Then he backed off. I wasn't trying to bait you. All right, that was it. I wasn't trying to bait you. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. the other thing, is, I mean, reporters, you, that's the other thing. You're dependent on the powers that be, City Hall. They give you the information. You know, you, you get them mad at you. They're going to treat them like me, D. Some guy in an attic. You think I get my phone calls returned? Well, what's that fella's name again? Craig Wall? Yeah. Well, Craig, if you're listening to this, hey, if you want to do a podcast, hey, I'm available, <laughs> man. I'll produce it. Come on, bro. I need some, I need some extra cash. Come on. Let's go. He's Craig. the best, Craig. Yeah, right Craig Wall Show. Let's do it. Yeah, and he knows, like he knows, like all the technical stuff, like headphones. He knows that they're called cams. Nice, Ben. Nice. Like, well, I was took, trying to get it wrong. It took about three and a half years, but you finally got it. We call them cans in the radio business, not what headphones. I usually call, oh, I have, yeah, cans. buckets or something. I don't know. Buckets. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Lori was up to roll games in that one, but you know what? No one cares because they love her in the light front, D. They love her. They love her when she gets tough on the lakefront, even though people are congregating on that spot because she closed up the beaches. They love her on the north side of Chicago. Indeed they do. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. All right. Now, as I said at the beginning of the program, we have a brand new song from... Michael Girardi to play for all of you. The song is called World's Greatest Newspaper. Okay, but before we get to that, let's go to the live stream chat here. I love you guys on the live stream chat. We keep we keep our host honest here on the Ben Jarofsky Show, all right? Uh, shout out to uh, Jay Marie. She, uh, she is responding to your riff on uh, Lori versus Kim Fox. Uh, she says, go off, Ben. And then, um, let's say, and then Brianna said, God, what would we do without Ben spitting truth uh and then frank says now you can see why wcpt fired ben <laughs> uh, and then yeah, brianna man. said bingo frank and jay and then yeah. jay marie uh he did however vote for Lori lightfoot uh, haven't twice. let him off the hook for that one just yet uh, oh, jay marie you're right twice <laughs> i admit it jay marie i cannot tell a lie <laughs> <laughs> I did vote for it twice. Good times, everybody. And shout That's out. because Troy wasn't in the race, Jay Marie. I had voted for Troy. See, ahead, oh, oh, no, I'm sitting. I'm looking here. Uh, all right. Yeah. Keep on weighing in on the live stream chat. We'll try and read your comments a little later on. Uh, coming up after the brand new song from Michael Girardi, we are going to be talking with our good friend and Chicago reader colleague, the one, the only Maya Duke Masava. Ben, what are you and Maya going to be talking about? Let's keep these We're listeners listening. News coverage. Oh, yeah, it's important. I learned a lot about this stuff. You got to tease, D. You got to tease. 
We're going to be talking about news coverage. Maya's got a lot of thoughts on the news coverage of the looting. So curious what Maya has to say, because D, I'm going to tell you something about good podcasting. Oh, please tell me. I'm taking notes. Please tell me. Okay, Get the paper out, get the pen out. All right. Tell me about good podcasting, please. What is this? You'd ever want to have the interview before you do the show. Oh. Whoa. So people go, well, Ben, why don't you rehearse the questions? Well, then it's a little stale. So I don't know what Maya's going to say. Lord knows what you can. We have no net either. It's the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> Remember the what that riff on Hillary Clinton and, and Mayor Lori Lightfoot day? I had no idea that was coming. I'm telling you what, Maya's like Hendrix, man. Give her a guitar. Wow, wow. There's a red house over yonder. Wow, wow, wow. <sighs> you learn something new every day here on the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show. Right. That's called podcasting. All right, D. All right, let's hear the latest from Michael Girardi. This new song is called World's Greatest Newspaper. It's the Ben Jarofsky show. We are live from my apartment in Ben's attic, Maya Dukmasova, up next.
number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Before I bring my on, I was going to give a shout out to Michael Girardi, world's greatest newspaper, his latest song. Uh, Michael, I don't know if you realize this, you were channeling your inner Ray Davies. Uh, Michael's probably the only guy who knows who Ray Davies is. He was a lead singer for a group called The Kinks, which were they were popular in the 60s, uh, long before everybody else's time. But you sounded so much like Ray Davies in that song. Uh, <laughs> open up wide, take a, a look inside, keep an open mind. Yeah, that's me, Mike, trying to keep an open mind. Expose. I love that line about uh, he said uh, he would watch channel the car- channel nine for the cartoons and then stick around for the lies. Yeah, and I want to remind everybody too. You can download uh, that song. I believe. Let me double check and uh, see if that is on uh, the Bandcamp page. Just search for Mike Girardi uh, and Bandcamp. Uh, looks like it's not on there yet, but you could download the rest of Ben uh, Ben Jarofsky, Mike Girardi's songs at uh, Michael Girardi Bandcamp. Put in Mike Girardi G E R A R D I Bandcamp. Search for him. Download him. Tell your friends and uh, spread the word. All right. Uh, thank you, D. Uh, Mike Masava is with me, my uh, partner in crime from my beloved Chicago Reader. Welcome back to the show, Maya. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. You sound so clear, so crystal clear. It's this new Google thing. I love it. Uh, did you have a nice week? Uh, you had a week off last week, correct? Or was it the week before that you had the week off? Yeah, well, the week before last I had a week off. I was moving, so it was really busy, but I'm glad to be back. All right. Well, um, I know you have a lot of things you want to talk about, about the TV coverage. We're going to get into Lori Lightfoot and Kim Fox, and then I'll get a Charles Green update from you. Uh, so let's start at the top. Uh, I'm not quite sure where you're going to go with this. Can't wait uh, to follow you on one of your great riffs. But uh, give folks your uh, your thoughts about the TV coverage of what went down on Monday morning and in the aftermath. So my thoughts about the TV coverage. Uh, basically, uh, I, as every sort of probably m- m- most kind of plugged in young millennials. Uh, Once I woke up on Monday and heard there was some kind of news related to looting, I went directly to Twitter and, uh, you know, tried to to catch up on what was happening. And uh, there right away, there was a lot of information about how uh, this unrest downtown and, and, and people kind of smashing store windows and stealing stuff uh, was tied to an incident of a police shooting that had happened in Inglewood on Sunday. I hadn't heard about the police. I didn't, I wasn't uh, kind of keyed into the news on Sunday. And so uh, this was all very new to me, but right away, I also noticed this was Monday morning, probably around 8 AM that there was a ton of tweets about how bad the local TV news coverage was of this. So I decided uh talked to Sujay real quick and he suggested that I do a story. Sujay's our Sujay Kumar, our editor in chief, one of our co-editors in chief. So he suggested that what if I just followed the local news coverage on TV and uh and and wrote about what kind of impressions I had of the events based on what they were showing on the TV news. So I spent most of yesterday just plugged into watching the newscasts on ABC and NBC and CBS and WGN. And I have to say that, like, 
truly, if I had no idea what was going on, I did not, there really wasn't anything that I could have gleaned in terms of an in-depth explanation of why this was happening. The way that the TV news was presenting all of this was was constant flashing of the words like chaos, violence, unrest, like robberies, looting. Like there was images of, you know, tons of black people around uh, various shopping areas downtown. There was constant footage of uh, the Best Buy parking lot in Lincoln Park with like trash strewn in the parking lot. As the day went on, there was more and more kind of uh, reporter stand-ups interspliced where they were showing, you know, footage of people from the neighborhoods cleaning up, uh, helping clean up some of the, the the broken glass and the trash that was all around uh, these these shopping areas. There were interviews with angry store owners, mostly from Jewelers Row on on Wabash, on Wabash, because a lot of those jewelry stores are are small businesses where I guess it's pretty easy for reporters to just connect with someone who owns or manages a store rather than like a big chain like Best Buy. So there was tons of, um, there was tons of interviews with frustrated store owners. Some of them had been, um, had had their stores uh, broken into uh, one or two other times already over the summer, ever since the civil unrest around George Floyd's killing. And uh, then, you know, of course we had the, uh, the severe extreme weather events that, that hit us in the afternoon my street actually i'm i'm in the part of rogers park where uh the mini tornado hit so there was like down trees all over my street so the newscasts became extremely (laughs) focused on the severe weather events but still there was like quite a bit of coverage uh of of the civil unrest and finally what i saw was a um an interview that dave savini did from CBS, he was the first, I guess they kept, they kept repeating this. This is like an exclusive interview that they were the first ones to get it. And there was a brief interview that he did with the mother of the man who was shot by police on Sunday night. So what we know so far about the circumstances of, of that shooting. And I actually, uh, I was just listening into bond court today, which started at noon, but as of this moment, when you called, uh, they still hadn't, as far as from what I caught, they still hadn't had, um, the man in bond court, but he's supposed to appear in, in bond court today. He's charged. So he was shot. He survived. His condition was stabilized at the UFC hospital. And now he's charged with, I think like, uh, either aggravated battery or attempted murder of a police officer the police said that this guy had a gun and that he shot at them and that's why they shot him. People in the neighborhood are saying that he wasn't armed and he was running away from the cops. The cops had put out a tweet with like a picture of a gun in some grass that they claimed was his. But basically yesterday afternoon, Dave Savini had this exclusive interview with um, on CBS with, um, with the mother of the, of, of this, of this guy who was shot And she was saying that he was unarmed. But what was so kind of striking to me was that at one point they showed images that I guess they found on social media of this guy, Latrell Allen, uh, posing with some guns uh, on social media. 
Um, and so in the footage on the news, like Dave Savini is like shows these images to the guy's mom. And he's like, is this your son? And she's standing there with, she's there with also, I guess the, the, probably her parents, but it's like Latrell Allen's grandparents. So the three of them are standing there. Dave Savini is showing her his phone with, with these images on them saying like, is this your son? And he would, and she was like, yeah, that's him. And then he was like, well, what does it say to the public? Like, what do these images say? And he was just kind of grilling her about like, you know, what, what these images of her son posing, posing with these guns communicate to the public. And I just found that, like, it was just, I feel like it harkens back to such a, like, classic kind of historical trend of, like, shaming Black women for the perceived transgressions of their children and shaming poor women for the perceived transgressions of their children. But, and so already that's, like, a very grotesque thing, but... Also then to, I, I kept thinking like this woman, her son is like in the hospital. Like he, he could be, he could have been killed. Like her, her son was shot. He's in the hospital. She is like agreed to give this interview. And now this reporter is like grilling her essentially like questioning her integrity and morality as a mother based on these images that they found on social media who like, again, like who even knows if she's ever seen them before. The whole thing was just like really audio visually overwhelming and very, very intense. And like, to me as somebody who doesn't watch local news broadcasts on a regular basis, it, it was just like very overwhelming and confusing. And I left with a lot of sensations of like chaos and uncertainty, but not with a lot of sense of like insight and definitely no kind of smart or in-depth analysis of anything. Mm-hmm. Well, let go ahead. So the, yeah. And one more thing I would add is like one of the reasons why I wanted to, to write about this is because a couple of years ago, there was a study that was done uh, that of, of kind of news consumption patterns in Chicago, uh, and 90%. So when people are asked, like, where do they get their news? Almost 80% of respondents indicate television. So television is like the most prominent source of news for people followed by like friends and family and then social media. So if most people get their news from TV, what kind of impression do they have of what's going on in the city if that's the only place that they get the news? And I would say based on watching all of this yesterday all day is it it's you get the impression that this is this is a place where like crime is just senselessly happening that 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 black people are are threatening nice white people and their businesses and that no one's doing anything about it. And I couldn't think of a more, I don't know, unhelpful and incorrect perspective to have if one actually gives a damn about this place at all. Wow. A lot to unpack there, Maya. And um, uh, 
before I dive into uh, what that larger question that you asked, like, what's your view of the world if all you gather is information? The only information you gather is uh, local television coverage, which is a powerful. It's, you can spend a long time talking about that. Uh, and before I get into the other thing you set up, whether you realize it or not, the double whammy. Uh, contrasting the coverage between civil unrest and a tornado, which was literally in the same day. Uh, and I have a lot of thoughts the way TV covers the weather, but we'll hold off on both of those. Let's get into what was going down with uh, the reporter who showed the mother the images of her son, uh, Latrell Allen, uh, in, on a social media pose with a gun. I didn't see it. So I'm just, everything is based on your reporting of it. Yeah. I've seen uh, enough television coverage of events like this to know that there's a moment of instant judgment that happens on TV. Well, it happens in the media in general, but it's happening right now, right there in the moment on TV. And then it happens on Twitter. And this is why I cannot stand Twitter. But anyway, uh, and that instant judgment is this. Latrell Allen has his story which is that uh, he was running away from the cops. The police have their story, which is that Rochelle Allen shot him. So instantly, we have to make a judgment. We're being asked to make a judgment. Who's telling the truth? 99% of the times in the past, the public automatically believed the police version. That says started to... Thank you for that correction. Uh, that thank you for it was good. Uh, Laquan McDonald ended some of that uh, when the video showed it, a absolute contradiction of what the official police report was. Uh, and so I think that's what was going on. Uh, Maya, I think that that reporter was saying, "Well, how can we believe your son if he had these photos on his social media?" And so the takeaway is, I think what I probably hear. Uh, in Twitter battles, uh, social media battles, and uh, in the comments uh, below a new story is, oh, of course the guy's lying. Look at those pictures. That's what I think is happening. There's like instant judgment. We're going to make an instant judgment. It's going to be put in person's head. And that's the takeaway. Your thoughts? Yeah. And I guess I, you know, I think y- you, y- the, the the bottom line is that the goal for these TV news stations is to attract and keep viewers on their channels because the more people are watching, the better their ratings are that I guess that the, the whole, the better their business is doing. So this is a commercial operation. This, this, the goal of which is to attract and keep the maximum amount of viewers for the longest amount of time. Every one of these, so there's like five local TV news stations. There's like Channel 2, which is, uh, hold on, I can't keep them straight. There's CBS. Yeah, you've got your, you've got your uh, CBS Channel 2, NBC Channel 5, ABC Channel 7, WGN, which is Channel 9, and then Fox, which is Channel 32. All of them have newscasts at basically the same exact time. They start broadcasting at like 4 a.m. and they go nonstop for the local news broadcast. They go nonstop to like 7. Then they have a 11 to noon to 1 p.m. type of time slot. And then they start again around 4 p.m. 
and they go probably till about six and it's prime time and they show like, you know, whatever their uh, parent uh, channels, various content is, you know, the bachelor and blackish and like whatever kind of like shows that people watch in primetime on those channels. And then they have their evening newscasts, usually, you know, like 10 PM. That's the last broadcast, the new, the local news broadcast of the day. So all of them are airing at exactly the same time. And all of them are competing for the same pool of viewers. So, you know, I guess that the, the, the strategy is that they need to attract as many viewers as possible. And they do that by kind of, being the most extreme, like extreme and salacious and sort of eye popping in their coverage. Um, so when the goal is to attract and maintain the maximum amount of people, when that is the primary goal of your operation as a business, then like, of course there's no, you know, it, it's no wonder that like you're not getting the most in-depth and nuanced coverage of anything because that the primary goal isn't to further understand an understanding of like social and economic conditions that lead to uh, an eruption of some kind of violence or some kind of property damage. Like they hear, you know, people hear about violence or property damage and they just want to see images of it. They want to see images of it. They want to see like the, the, the kind of, uh, it immediately triggers in all of us, like on a social psychological level, a kind of voyeuristic response. And one of the things that was also so disturbing is that is like the way that watching this stuff, the way that, and I mean, anyone who's watched cable news shows, you know, your CNN or your Fox news or whatever, it's the same kind of logic, but like, there's something about the way that this imagery and this footage is strung together and the way that, that the, the anchors and the reporters speak that really like kind of numbs you. Like you, you become, it's sort of like watching an action movie. Like you feel glued to it, but you don't, you're not actually like processing information. Like your senses are triggered. Your, your sense of suspense is triggered, but you're not actually like, you're, you're not, you're not brought into a state of contemplation by any of this. And one of the moments that I was so kind of, that I sort of like, I, f I feel like I was kind of jolted out of it to like become like a little more aware of what I was seeing was there was footage that was shown on like several of the, a, a couple of the different newscasts in the afternoon where they were, they, they, they just, they would like speak over the top of random footage of the previous night's looting that was just being shown. And one of the images that was that one of the video clips that was that, that they were showing was a bunch of cops beating up a black man with long dreadlocks. And the, the way that the camera was pointed, it was kind of like far away and across the street, but you could see probably about like four or five cops just like wailing on this man. And as there's this constant, you know, conversation and words like chaos and violence and damage being thrown around and, and you find yourself just like absorbing the image of these cops beating this black man, like, oh, like, you know, this is like police taking care of the situation. At no point is there a pause in a conversation about like, what are we actually seeing? Like, who is this man that these cops are just on camera beating? Like, we are supposed to assume that this is a person who was 
who deserved this beating because he participated in the looting, but we don't know that. This man could have just been walking down the street. Like, there's just no, there's just like no space for any kind of critical analysis of anything. There's just nothing, there's no way to fill your head with anything, but just like the stream of images of like confusion and chaos and violence. And the narrative that's presented is that there are these like scary black people that are, that are running amok in downtown Chicago and there's pissed off business owners. And then, Oh, here's another thing that I noticed across all the channels. They constantly had like little stand up interviews with like middle-aged white women talking about how upset they were and how tragic this was and like how they were like, you know, they show they were showing these people like cleaning up these various parking lots and sidewalks like doing like good community kind of neighborly activity. So the narrative is like, you know, these like out of control young black people are like ruining the city and these like mostly white business owners are just like trying to survive. And these nice white uh, neighbors in these communities are like doing the best they can to help out. Um, which like, you know, this is just like decade there's just like there's just been decades of this this is just the way that like tv news i feel like has covered the city of chicago for years and decades and it's just very disheartening because it doesn't promote any sense that like you as like a person who lives in the city are somehow implicated that like maybe something about the way that you as a news consumer are living, about the way that the city works, makes these conditions possible. And you pointed out to me the Mary Mitchell column in the Sometimes because I mean, okay, like I was watching TV news, but like of course, like the newspapers are also implicated in in these in these kind of in this problematic coverage. But you told me to read the Mary Mitchell Sometimes column from today, and I did. And one of the things that she says in there is like, we don't know why these people, you know, are like engaging in this blatant criminal activity, but there's like absolutely no excuse for the looting. Well, I mean, I feel like that, that's just not, that's like a kind of a very lazy framing for it. Like I was listening to these bond hearings today where a lot of these people who were arrested for the looting were coming up for a bond hearing. So many of these people have jobs, have kids, uh, have a church that they that they go to or whatever that they're affiliated with, and they have no prior criminal record. These are just regular regular people who, in a in a moment of some kind of social upheaval, there's kind of a, I think, as we see in any if in any condition such as like a mass gathering or a sports event or a concert or any kind of situation in which there's lots of people and not a sense of like tight kind of social control people follow the there's like a kind of herd instinct and the way that these bond court hearings that the way that the lawyers were describing how a person went about the their actions was oftentimes that like they saw someone grabbing stuff from a store they went in themselves so it's not unique to black people that in a, yeah. in, in, a, the, in a situation of like kind of social chaos, there's a tendency to sort of just like go with the flow of whatever the people around you are doing. This is just like a universal human response to any kind of chaotic situation. Um, but what was interesting to me is that like these are people, what, what gets you to a point where 
as just like a regular working person who's probably got like a minimum wage job and a family and some kids, you just say, you kind of throw caution to the wind and you, and you, you, you follow along with like whatever the kind of, um, chaotic situation around you that's happening. Like there is like Mary Mitchell is wrong. Like there is, there, there is an answer to this, but it has to do with the conditions of our city that like, why are so many working people who are invested in these communities and live here have a sense of just like, you know, that, that like, fuck it. Like I'll, 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 I'll take my chances having had no prior criminal history. This isn't, this isn't like, this isn't an issue of, I feel like, you know, blatant criminality or some kind of like wrong values in the African-American community. This is, this is, there's, there's, there's something happening and we know what's happening. There's like people, people are, are generally feeling like alien. They're not, we're not living in the same place. Like the people who are pissed off that the jewelry stores got, got, got broken into are not living in the same place as the people who are like working and going to church here and never having had a criminal record decide to, you know, go through the broken window of the jewelry store. Wow. Uh, a lot to unpack there, by the way, when you were, when you, when you, the, I'm probably going to get a lot of trouble for saying this, but I think a, an act of rage, we uh, break a window uh, it just everything in the world just upsets you to that point. I think metaphorically, I I, I think the, a lot of people voting for Donald Trump is like a similar reaction. It's just like yes. I've had it. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. It's and, a fucking reaction. It's yeah. the same fucking reaction. Yeah, and it you could argue that voting for Donald Trump and unleashing the last three years is more destructive than the rampage that went on on uh, uh, Monday morning. I can make that argument. Uh, yeah. d- definitely at this moment of this pandemic. But but when you said that, that reaction, that gut reaction, that's what I thought of. That's what uh, popped into my mind. All right, a couple things to uh, follow up on that you said uh, before we get to the tornado. Really, what you Because I know uh, weather coverage is a trip uh, on the TV. Uh, I, <laughs> oh my God! I my late mom, may she rest in peace, watching the weather on the TV, called me up to tell me what she just saw on the TV. Anyway, uh, the impact on someone's brain for consuming hours and hours of uh, of local TV coverage. I tease Maya because the first interview I ever did with. <laughs> The first interview I ever did with Maya back in the old days before I got fired at the radio station, she came on to talk about the hours that she had spent uh, listening to Mayor Rahm's podcast. Yeah. Which is like, I, I, well, someone had to do it, so he dumped it on Maya. Thank God I didn't do that story. Maya did it, so I didn't have to do it. So all that inane gobbledygook from Rahm and his brainwashing and his uh weird worldview so all right what so that's one type of brainwashing that can impact your brain listening to hours and hours of rom what's the impact in your humble opinion listening to hours and hours of local news coverage i mean i just emerged from yesterday's workday just feeling dead inside like 
I, I didn't have any sense of understanding of what the hell was going on. All I had was a sense of like, something's fucking going down. <laughs> like scary stuff is going down and it's wild and chaotic. And I, maybe I should keep watching this. Maybe I'll find out in the next segment, like, why is this happening? What's happening? Who are these people? But never, you know, I never got anything. It's like, it was just nothing but like, a never-ending stream of the same very extreme descriptions of the same events. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just... <laughs> uh, interesting contrast between what you described between the reporter uh, throw, thrusting the photo of the Latrell Allen with, posing with guns in front of the mom with what happened when, I don't know if you, I, I sent this to you. I don't know if you listened to it, but D, why don't oh, here I want to do my uh, doctor bike. Uh, Dennis, could you play for Maya uh, the clip of Lori Lightfoot chastising oh, a Craig yeah. Wall from yeah, ABC? Yeah, I caught that. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. I need a little more time here, gang. Hang tight. Oh, Hold on. Ryan, oh. Dennis. <laughs> you threw me hey, off here. Put the, put the doobie down. Right? Oh my God. He's well, not doing a doobie. On local TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, sounds like a place to be, huh? <laughs> gotta be wired for that you gotta be ready uh, no nah, man he's a great guy uh, I, I, I love a great D. guy all right hold on <laughs> i'm looking for the email here he threw me off guard here i didn't have it pulled up uh uh why don't you give us a recap of what uh you what she said there say it, yeah. to where he is working at that pace <laughs> where the hell did it go hold on uh, it's all it's all good man it's all oh good. i'm on the wrong i'm on the ben Jarofsky show email rather than mine by the way you can send us an email benny j show at gmail.com b-e-n-n-y the letter j show he'll, he'll, he'll kick this out of the podcast by the way oh this no be gone the podcast. only for the live well it's at 236 if you decide to date well i gotta get that job at cbs somehow huh all right oh, yeah. all right i'll just say it i'll just t- say what happens so uh we already played it we already did the riff and um, i heard it uh, but just for folks who may have forgotten what happened a half hour ago uh craig uh Police chief gave this suggestion that uh, perhaps the, um, the the looters from the Memorial Day rioting uh, and unrest had not been adequately punished. And so that may have been an incentive for others to go out and loot last night, thinking that there would be no consequences to their action. Uh, Craig Wall asked the follow up question. ABC uh, seven. Yes. Very good. She knows her stuff, having spent the entire day. Uh, and then Lori ripped them. Uh, and she said, don't bait me. And I was just curious with the reaction of Lori and the way Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, handled uh, Craig Wall's interrogation with how um, Mrs. Allen handled uh, Dave Savini's interrogation on Channel 2. Did she say to Dave Savini, don't you bait me? Don't try to mislead the public. No, she absolutely, listen, that guy's mom is just a regular person. Like, she was totally caught off guard by this question. She didn't manage any kind of particular answer to that. Like, I don't know how anybody could. But I I thought it was interesting, Lori's response about that. Like, she, she was accusing him of baiting. But then she turned around and basically said the thing that he was trying to get her to say. Like she basically she, she he was basically baiting her retrospectively, like trying to get her to 
point the finger at Kim Fox and and the judges for not charging and not setting high enough bail, whatever, for prior instances of of, of people breaking into stores and taking things. But but then she just turned around and said, "Don't bait me." Great for TV moment, and then and then she just said, "Like we are looking for." you know, for, 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 we, we want there to be like severe consequences for this, which is basically just, again, like pointing the finger at King Fox and the, and the judges to, to, to crack down on these people. Like she, she ended up saying like, uh, basically the same exact thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's so kind of frustrating too, because I don't really like, the conversation about whether something is baiting or not, like I'm not, it's not interesting to me that like Lori Lightfoot is trying to not point a finger at Kim Fox uh, and name her, you know, kind of name names in terms of who, who is not doing a good job on, on, on their, in their end of the system. Like the point is that, that they, they do that. They point the finger at each other all the time without naming names. And the, the bigger problem here, and I've written about this before when I, when I wrote that big story about Cook County government, um, our criminal justice system is completely sort of bifurcated amongst different levels of government. We've got, you know, a police department that works for the city and answers to the city's mayor. We've got a, uh, judiciary that's independent. We've got a prosecutor's office that, that, that is part of the county government apparatus and any kind of like response to crime in the city. If we're going to use this criminal justice system to respond to what we consider to be crime, quite aside from the question of like, whether or not what we consider to be crime is valid and whether or not we need a government response to that quote unquote crime, but just like going off the basic premise that when there's crime happening, we have a criminal justice system that responds to it, that punishes people for it. The different agents who are responsible for that work are not actually connected to each other in any kind of, they're not answerable to one another. They're not financially interdependent. And so no, and, and, and they're run by elected politicians whose main concern is to just like win their next election. <laughs> so I just, uh, it's very frustrating these conversations and these kinds of like, you know, theatrical moments like that press conference and the baiting thing, whatever, because at the end of the day, like it doesn't really get to the bottom of the, of the issue here, which is that, okay, the cops can go on, an, on, on a spree of arresting people, but then the city of Chicago doesn't have to pay for the overburden that that creates on the county criminal justice system. They don't have to pay for that, for the consequences of, of indiscriminate arrests, because it's not their budget that goes to running the courts. It's not their budget that goes to running the jail. You know, we could there, there could be the, the the prosecutor could decide to charge everybody up to the hilt with everything possible, but it's not her office that's going to handle the actual processing and 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 jailing of these people. It's Tom Dart's office. Like all of this stuff is like siloed and disconnected, mm-hmm. and so like tweaking one and one part of the system 
for better or for worse, it's sort of like always done in isolation, which I mean, you know, that's not something I, based on how this country is structured, that's not like really something that can necessarily change, but it's just, I don't know. I guess it just goes to show how pointless all these conversations are and all of this, like kind of like finger pointing about whose fault is what by the politicians, by the elected members of the system or elected leaders of the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, it, 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 it always, it, there's never a, a shortage of scapegoats uh, to blame for s- things that you may be doing wrong uh, is uh, the point. Uh, I agree. All right. We'll close with your thoughts on uh, the weather coverage. It's almost like a bonus. You're dedicating the day to watching the local TV and it's, coverage of uh, civil unrest, as you put it. Uh, and then in the middle of everything, uh, a windstorm emerges, a, tena- a, tornado, <laughs> a tornado warning that had me almost scurrying to the basement. Trees are blowing down. Uh, it's dark at uh, 4 o'clock, 4.15. And uh, this is like, I, I, I just imagine local television coverage, which I didn't watch at all yesterday, pe- their minds exploding because it's like, wow, you know, civil unrest, cops beating up black people, black people shattering windows. That's unbelievable. But in the middle of it all. It was a successful day for local news. I'm sure as a biz- on a business level, they yeah. did great yesterday. Uh, so, uh, by the way, that image is in my mind of just that. That was a great uh, riff you went on just talking about co- these cops pounding away at this man. There's no explanation. The footage is just running in the background as they talk about it. Just, let's just, I'm sorry. It's it's so bleak. It's it's out of like a, a science fiction novel. Uh, so the any contrast that you notice similarities between coverage of a pending weather disaster and coverage of civil unrest? Just that the emotional intensity of it is the same. Like. It just, I, you know, if you don't, if you're not even paying attention, like if you just sort of like, if you, it, the, it was seamless. The, 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 the kind of intensity around the sense of chaos and danger and uncertainty, like it was just as intense about the looting as it was about the tornado. Like, you know, and then also don't forget the coronavirus. It's just like a never, wow. it's just a never ending sense of like crisis of like extreme things happening. And I'm totally not a person who's like, Oh, we need more positive news. Like, I think that, you know, news coverage tends to, and, and should focus on issues like problems, like actual, you know, you know, people need to know about the weather or whatever, but, but, uh, the kind of like ex- extremeness of the language and the the way that the imagery flows across your screen it's all like it's just ve- it's just very over i feel like the brain is just like over it's just i have the sensation of having gotten out of like a 6 hour action movie after watching <laughs> the tv news for 6 hours like I just, I need like a nap. I want to close my eyes. I don't want to hear or see anything else. It's just like, it's very overwhelming to the sensations. And so, and that kind of feeling is like really not conducive to like civic engagement, uh, 
you know, critical thinking. Like, it's just not, it's, it, all it does is just like, it's like, it, it, it irritates you. It agitates you. It excites you. And then, and then you wind up so overwhelmed uh, with all of those, like, kind of brain responses to that stuff. I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I'm, I'm just kind of talking out of my ass here about my own sensations, just, just what I, what I felt I experienced, but no, I, I'm with you. The result is a very like numb feeling and a feeling of being overwhelmed and kind of like it, I don't know that my senses are like dulled because I've been overwhelmed with so many like danger signals basically. Well, it's also it fosters the feeling of helplessness. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, and and so it it it's a very powerful tool for like building support for the police, you know, in the terms of the civil unrest. Uh, but the weather thing is such a trip, man. It's like the the position. I don't know if they did this yesterday. Uh, weather coverage. So there's a tornado, let's say, or a hurricane, and they'll <laughs> they'll send the reporter out into the middle of the storm. The guy will be sitting here, or sometimes a woman battered by the wind and the rain. And here I am, and I'm at Jones and Clark Street, and it, oh my God, it's just brutal. The wind is terrible. I can barely hear you. And then they, the anchorman in the studio, Billy Bob, uh, could you give us a sense of what people are doing around you? And Billy Bob's like, I, I can't hear you, Frank. It's so loud. It's just unbelievable. I can't. I just saw a tree flying by me. It's. I just. I saw a police car under six feet of water. We're gonna go back to you. It's like okay. There's another cover. My mom would be watching it. Betty, she called me up. Did you see this news? No, I don't watch the weather, Ma. It's terrible. Oh my God, Dennis. I really hope you captured that entire impression that Ben just did, and we. We really need to use that in future in future material. Absolutely. This was like that was great. Really comedy genius. Incredible. <laughs> Thank Incredible you. Impression. Everybody, yeah. if you've never seen those news, <laughs> there you go. That's that's just the weather news. That's not the civil unrest news. Be scared, very scared. No. <laughs> Marauding black people from the south side have come to the north side. Um, yeah. uh, by the way, I have to say, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag and Uh-oh. get all out of trouble doing this, Dr. D. You've but said that like four times today, by the way. I know. I, I'm, I'm always, you know, uh, well, me and my big mouth. But um, there's talk. I'm just going to put it that way. This is uh, there's talk uh, that uh, Maya and Ben will bring back a virtual edition of First Tuesday. There's talk. Okay, it's just talk right now. It's just talk. But a couple of our listeners uh, asked about it, Maya, when you were on vacation. Hey, where's that? Why don't you and Maya do a first Tuesday? And um, so I nothing uh, exact has been figured out. I'm going, I'm taking next week off, a much deserved vacation. Thank you, Maya. Uh, and my hunch is, is that after that, we may cut a deal for September. May, fingers crossed. Don't know for certain, but that's the talk. Isn't that how you do it? My, the, there's talk that we may bring back first Tuesday. Yeah, I uh, I just hope that people hang on to their seats and stay tuned to this space for <laughs> updates. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get Dave Savini on the story. Uh, we uh, yeah, there there there's definitely active talks going on, and uh, I think I'm I'm feeling pretty optimistic that first Tuesday is going to be coming back. And uh, for what it's worth, uh, your sound quality is awesome. Every time we have you, like, it's just incredible. So are you just, you're just using your phone? 
Yeah, I've stopped using my headset, which is apparently the source of all my problems. So well, unless the not, reader wants to buy me a really nice headset, I think I'm yeah. just going to go without it yeah, for a while. Yeah, it sounds great. Like, you're one of the best-sounding uh, guests we've had thus far since we've been doing uh, Google Meet. is that anyone who has a mic on, like, earbuds or Bluetooth headset, if it's dangling on the wire, yep. your sound quality is going to be awful because it's not – It's the mic is catching all of the surrounding sound. It's not targeted – you know, at your, at your mouth. That's why you got to get one of those like telemarketer headsets that are really good quality or just go without it. All right. Maya Tomasa, you better get back to writing that story. Yeah. I need it's to do that it. story's due. All right. Get to work. Oh, right. and, <laughs> and guys, I found the audio, by the way, I got this it. Oh, Greg, let's be clear. And, and don't bait us. Okay. No, I, I this just, is, no, I, I was asking. Do, do not bait us. Don't, do not bait us. This is a serious situation. People are concerned about their safety. Officers are concerned about their safety. So don't bait us. What we're saying is, as a result of what happened last night, there have to be consequences. We've got teams of people that are aggressively out there identifying the people responsible, looking at the, the plates, and we're going to bring them to justice. But when we do, and we do make those arrests, our expectation is that this is going to be treated with a level of seriousness that it should be, period. Don't try to bait us, mischaracterize, pit one against the other. We're not playing that. We are in a serious situation here, and we need a serious response. That's what we're saying, period. I'm not trying to bait you, Mayor. I'm just asking you a question. That, that... And are you sure that wasn't Mark Brown? No, it's from ABC Seven. Okay, it sounded a lot like Mark Brown. Yeah, I don't don't think he was baiting her at all. I think it was a legitimate question, and uh, uh, it's tough being a a reporter, inquiry reporter. Speaking of which, I gotta go, guys. All right, all right, get get Maya to work. It's gonna be a great story, and I'll probably be talking about it uh, when she returns. When I return for vacation, take care, Maya. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Bye, guys. Peace. Uh, Maya deserves a raise for having watched all that coverage yesterday. But she really deserves a raise, D, from sitting through hours and hours of Mayor Rahm podcast. Oh, that was tough. Uh, anyway, a uh, great interview with Maya. Before we head out the door, you got an update for me, young man? Absolutely, I do. Ben, I sent you an email. Did you get that email that I sent you? You know the email? Did you get that? Uh, hold on. Email? Uh, let me look. I don't look at my emails. Uh, oh, I got a text message from uh, David Seaton. Okay, well, uh, what about that email? Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. So right uh, now yeah. on Capital Facts, the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard, Rich Miller. <laughs> get him on the chain. Uh, he posted an extensive list of a group of progressives who have called for Speaker Madigan to resign. Yes. What would it do? What's that? Some of them are Ben Jarofsky show guests. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Madigan Gate continues on the Ben Jarofsky show. What would a a day be in August without uh, Madigan Gate? So uh, I have Capital Facts pulled up right now. I'm going to go through a list. I mean, this list is huge. So I'm just going to run through some of these names. Ben, if I uh, forget to mention someone, interrupt me and, uh, you know, Way in. Uh, Madigan Gate, by the way, um, for those who aren't aware, Ben, uh, refresh everybody what Madigan Gate is. I'm looking through the list. Uh, Madigan Gate is the ongoing federal investigation into uh, the alleged, the alleged, alleged of House Speaker Michael Joseph Madigan, the most powerful Democrat in the state house. Uh, he is also the chairman of the Democratic Party, the Illinois Democratic Party. So people have two fronts. 
factor to weigh in uh, on Michael Joseph Madigan. If you're a state rep or a state senator, uh, you can weigh in dealing with his influence on uh, legislation. And if you're a Democratic Party official or elected official, what have you, you could weigh in as for in relation to his role as chairman of the Democratic Party. Uh, Commonwealth Edison has pled guilty, pled guilty to having attempted to uh, bribe Michael Joseph Madigan by putting his cronies on the uh, on the payroll. They agreed to pay a two hundred million dollar fine. Uh, Michael Joseph Madigan said he was completely unaware of what they did. He had nothing to do with it, and it didn't influence him in any way. So he is guilty of nothing. Alleged. That is Madigan Gate. Alleged. <laughs> Just say alleged. Alleged. Everything's alleged. All right. Okay. Come on. All right. So uh, it looks like members of the IF troop are moving on to the resign uh, troop here. Come All on. Right. Let's give a shout out. Uh, Easy. Eric Zorn came up with that one. Shout out. Eric Zorn. God damn Eric Zorn. Beat me to IF troop. By the way, how about that quality with Maya, huh? Sounded pretty damn good, right, buddy? All right. Our first uh, name that we recognize here, uh, well, he's a mathematician, so we must have punched up the numbers and realized that his job may not be on the line so much. <laughs> former state senator and state representative Dan Biss. All it, right. The key in that is former. It's not a, you know, oh, you know, okay. Well, yeah, you're me. right. You're right. You the know. key in that is former. Would he have said this had he uh, still been a state rep? Uh, uh, <laughs> and there went the best interview by the way i call him the real db all right uh moving on oh okay we just had an interview with uh this lady uh last week and it's going to be available next week while we're gone uh murray Briel of the heartland mamas is on the list murray's on that list yeah i didn't see her ah, she's on the list uh she- Let's see. I mean, that's, it's a long list. Yeah, I was going to say, you're looking at the list, right? Okay. Uh, uh, I didn't see Murray's name. I love you, Murray. Oh, there she is. That's because it's her full name. I did. Oh, I'm not Murray. I'm Muriel. I didn't know. I, I just call her Murray. Yeah. She's plaintiff township uh, Democrats vice chair. All right. Yeah, she's a regular in the Ben Drives at Harlem Mamas. Up next, it's a another former, but we got to get him on the program. I sent you a text about it yesterday. Former... Hey. AG, former Chicago 33rd Ward Committee person and Attorney General candidate Aaron Goldstein, the meanest three-point shooter in the 33rd Ward, I tell ya. All right, let's see here. 49th Ward, uh, well, we already knew this one. Alderwoman Maria Haddon uh, is on the list. How about this one? 14th District State Central Committeeman and former guest on the Ben Jarofsky Show, one PJ, Peter Janko, the guy who got us the interview with Madigan. Yeah, that's not, by the way, you skipped somebody. You missed somebody. Uh-oh, Mr. D, uh, Dr. D. Who'd I miss? Uh, Pamela Gronenmeyer. Uh, she is Dr. Pamela from Alton area. She comes on. She's the Bernie Sanders. Oh, you're right. You're Dr. Right. P, Dr. G. I love her. She's excellent. Uh, she's Probably because I forgot her name because you call her names like Dr. P, Dr. Yeah. G. You don't oh, call her by her real name. That's that's how you do it, folks. That's how you do it. You flip <laughs> the switch okay blame the old guy that's how you do podcasting all right that's uh, podcasting, how about ladies. former gubernatorial candidate chris kennedy i got him on the list here and, oh there's a shocker he was bashing madigan when he was running for uh i used to have a kind of a chris kennedy uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think you just switched that now it's your flannery i don't know that's a little flannery sound <laughs> Kennedy's the one uh, who said, of course, what he's running, that Mayor Rahm has planning 
he was planning decisions were intended to uh, move black people out of the city of Chicago. It was a really on target thing that Chris Kennedy said. And of course, the, all the editorial boards ripped him. How dare you say that? Uh, of course, I think he should resign. That's my, that's my uh, Kennedy impression. All right. Uh, moving on here. How about another former guest? A very smart man. So smart. In fact, he went on Jeopardy. Can- oh, candidate yeah. for the Cobb County Board, former Illinois 16th congressional candidate, Neil Muhammad. I love Neil Muhammad. We got to get him back. I, was, I almost cut a deal with him about two weeks ago and something happened. But when we come back, we're going to have Neil Muhammad on. Really, truly one of the smartest people that's ever been on the Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, way smarter than yeah. us. Yeah, All right. That's for sure. Other names include uh, Rachel Ventura, Will County board member, former Illinois congressional candidate. Uh, let's see here. Um, She's been on the show. Yeah. Um, all right. And then uh, let's see. Sheila Simon, Paul Simon's daughter, former lieutenant governor. Uh, she's never been on the show, but it's Paul Simon's daughter. Andre Vasquez, your good friend, uh, 40th Ward Alderman, rapper. And uh, for tri- 10 trivia points, who brought uh, Andre into our life? Andre's kind of oh a big my god! Now. Of course I know. Uh, one um, another one of these great nicknames you have, Doctor Dog, <laughs> Damian Purdue of the place that fired you, WCPTA twenty. Yes, he had nothing to do with it. He's one of the great people that works at WCPT. Uh, I shouldn't say that they'll probably fire him, but he's a great guy. Uh, I love him dearly. Oh, uh, they anyway, listen to because yeah, who... people at CPT are just listening to the very end of every venture. <laughs> They've stuck on this long, yeah. <laughs> They're not listening, dude. All right. Uh, I think that's it. That, that's oh, David Orr, former Cook County clerk, 49th Ward, uh, Chicago Alderman. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out on the playing field. A good friend of the Benny, ben, Benny Jarofsky show. Maggie Wonderly. Uh, Maggie is a Bernie Sanders delegate. Knows more about the selection process uh, for delegates than anyone in the world. She's been on the show. We should bring her back and talk after the convention, get her thoughts on that. And Ben, what were your thoughts on uh, Madigan? He should resign. I, 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 I said it before these guys. He, I, and I'm really torn when I say this. I mean, I'm really torn because I truly appreciate much gratitude for the role Michael Madigan played and defying Bruce Rauner. And I have no doubt, I always feel compelled to say this, that Mayor Rahm and John Collerton would have sold out the unions of the state of Illinois in a heartbeat. Uh, but I do believe he should step down. Uh, I believe it's time that the Democratic Party move in a different direction. Duh. Uh, but I understand, man. I got a lot of friends in labor that are sticking with him. I got a lot of lefty friends. They won't even talk about it, but they're sticking with them. So I guess I understand where they're coming from. They, they too, feel gratitude and loyalty. But... I don't know. Come on, guys. It's going to hurt the fair tax. It just it, it, don't you have any standards? I mean, yeah, whatever. I'm looking at the list here just to check but on a certain name. Let me see. Let me double check before I say it here. Nope. No, Will Gazzardi. <laughs> and no, no, Lori Lightfoot. No, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, no, Lori Lightfoot. By the way, Erica Bray Parker has been a guest on her show many years ago when back in the old days when. No, I think she came to the new show. Uh, she used to be a school teacher in DuPage County, and she uh, she had the, was it the debate team? 
Civics Club, whatever. She brought those kids in, so she's pretty awesome. Anyway. All right, and uh, finally, before we roll out of here, uh, Ben, I know you wanted to weigh in on the latest with uh, Pritzker and Downstate and DB, Darren Bailey, right? Oh, I'm going to talk at length about that today. I I put aside most of uh, the – Downstate uh, talk for today because there was so much uh, emphasis. Wait, is, are you giving us a tease for tomorrow's show? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a big time tease. Going to talk about uh, Donald Trump and his bizarre executive decision. These are the things that I didn't get into because uh, my attention was diverted uh, by uh, the civil unrest in Chicago. But Donald Trump and his idiotic executive orders, which were so bizarre over the weekend, uh, essentially proposing to, uh, by cutting the payroll tax or, or temporarily deferring it, uh, bankrupting Social Security and Medicare. The man has lost his freaking mind. Bill Clinton update, despite my column, this is how this is how little influence I have with Dems, D. As, as you recall, I wrote a column, Dems, Cut the cord with Billy C. And how did the Democratic Party react? They invited him to speak at the convention. Uh, <laughs> the Dems don't want to learn. Uh, we just determined never to learn from our mistakes. Anyway, right. uh, so and, and I really want to get into uh, the voting rights lawsuit that the Republicans filed against Pritzker. They think they're slick and everybody can see right through them. So that's a tease for tomorrow. <laughs> what a teaser. My goodness. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Follow us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. And you can call us up 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. All right. I want to thank Maya. She did a great job. And of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as everybody on this list, from Peter Jenko to Maria, Maria Haddon will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. enemy is you that's correct one two three four those are numbers but you already knew that if you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car use kelly blue book my wallet on auto trader they're really good at numbers auto trader